Good afternoon. Good to be with you all again. And we are enjoying the music here on campus. Your praise team is first notch. Amen. And that nursing student, man, praise the Lord. That was a beautiful song as well. And of course, I appreciate the voice of my wife. We are always trying to have the music bring us into a state of worship. Amen. In fact, we were walking the campus last night and we stumbled upon the choir practicing and it was melodious. And I wanted to actually talk to the young man who seemed to be directed, but when we looped around and came back, they were gone. I want to say that you guys have some special talent here on your campus and God is richly blessing you that you would be able to use those talents to build up his kingdom. Amen. All right. We got a heavy subject again today. We're going to jump right into it. I'm going to ask them to put the slides up down here so I can see when I change. Um, and our scripture reading is going to be taken from 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a what? A sound mind. Our message this afternoon is entitled, Doubt and the Healthy Mind. Doubt and the Healthy Mind. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to study a word and to congregate and fellowship together. I ask once again, Lord, that you make me just a nail on the wall, a rusty, sorry nail, Lord. But upon that nail, Lord, I ask that you hang a portrait of Jesus Christ. Let me not be seen or heard. Instead, Father, today... Let us hear a word from the throne room of grace. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you have your Bible, you can follow along. We're going to go to the book of Mark, the ninth chapter, and we are going to start at verse 14. But let me give you a little bit of context. Anytime you study the Bible, you want to get the context of the story that you're studying. The context here is that Jesus had gone up into the Mount of Transfiguration. It is one of the great stories of the Gospels. In fact, when he gets to the mountain, he actually takes only three of his 12 disciples. Do you remember which ones? Peter, James, and John. So if he took three to the mountain, mathematics majors, how many did he leave in the valley? Nine, right? So he takes three with him up into the Mount of Transfiguration, and they are joined by two people. Do you remember who joins them on the mount? Elijah and Moses. Now, I want you to get this very carefully. When it deals with the doctrine of the state of the dead, it is addressed in this story. Because the only two people who meet Jesus on the mountain, the Bible gives an explanation as to why they would still be alive. Oh, y'all missing this thing. In other words, David doesn't meet him on the mountain. Peter says David's body is still here with us. Right? He doesn't name all of the other prophets. He names these two because Elijah, when he died, as we said yesterday uh, and the day before, was taken up in a chariot of fire. Moses, the book of Jude tells us, was actually the, uh, Michael the archangel, who is Christ, came and resurrected his body and took it to heaven. Of all the beings in heaven, none of them had more to lose then Elijah and Moses, and you could throw Enoch in there maybe, but Elijah and Moses, if Jesus failed on his ministry, if, if Jesus had failed on earth, what would have happened to Elijah and Moses in heaven? Their 
passport to heaven would have been revoked. So they came to the Mount of Transfiguration to encourage Christ. Angels wanted to encourage him, but the Father said, no, these two have lived with this stiff-necked people. They know what Jesus is going through. Let them go and be his encouragement. Oh, a lot more I can say about the Mount of Transfiguration, but that's the context. Because where Jesus is coming from when this story starts is from off of that mountain. Mark 9, 14 says this. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them. So how many disciples would have been down there? So there's a great multitude around the nine disciples, and the scribes are questioning those disciples. Verse 15, look at verse 15. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, they saluted to him. Why, when they were running to him, why were they greatly amazed? Because like when Moses came off of the mountain, Jesus was still glowing from what had happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. When he gets to the bottom, Jesus is not concerned with the attention of the people. He is concerned as to how the nine disciples are being treated. I want you to notice right here, Jesus will always be your greatest defender. Verse 16 says this, and he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? Now, it was like, it's like the schoolyard. So there's this big mob. The scribes are jostling with the, the nine disciples. The three disciples are quiet because you know how they act. They're like, ha, 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 we got to go into the mountain and you didn't. So they're all quiet, standing behind Jesus. Jesus is in the mix. Jesus asked the scribes, why are you questioning my nine disciples? And all of a sudden, out of the crowd, a man steps into the mix. In America, whenever there's a fight on the schoolyard, and I know y'all don't have fights on the schoolyards in Jamaica, but in, uh, in America, there's a fight on the schoolyard, all of the kids do what? They form a circle. You do have fights in the schoolyard. Okay. So they form a circle around to watch it. I want you to see this with your, with your, with your holy uh, imagination. When Jesus was standing there, this man steps out, and all of a sudden, the entire congregation of people would have begun to step back and leave space for this confrontation. Watch this. The man steps into the middle of the circle in verse 17, and the Bible says, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto you my son who has a dumb spirit. Here the conflict comes to the surface as to why the scribes were questioning the nine disciples. There was a man who had brought his son who had a dumb spirit. Now in American English, and unfortunately, we as Americans have not done the English language justice in many cases. We, and this is one example. We still think, most Americans think that if you call someone dumb, dumb means stupid. That's actually not what dumb means, is it? Dumb means you have an inability to verbally communicate. The demon bound this child up so that the child could not verbally communicate. Today, we have all kinds of um, recently um, diagnosable and increasing in, in incidents, uh, conditions where children have problems with communication. You've heard of the, um, the spectrum um, uh, that many of the kids are placed on um, uh, the spectrum for um, 
Autism. I don't know why that word skipped me. Right? So here you see this child is suffering from something like that. I don't miss this. The child has a dumb spirit, but the spirit isn't just dumb. Look at what verse 18 says. And wheresoever he takes him, he tears him, and he foams and gnashes with his teeth, and he pines away, meaning he falls over. Look at this. Here's where the conflict came with the scribes. And I spoke to your disciples, the nine, and they, that they should cast him out. The Bible says, and they could not. Now here's the, why this story gets interesting. You see, the nine disciples, including Judas, had worked miracles before. Let me tell you something. Just because someone works a miracle does not mean you should follow them. Number one, a lot of people in these last days are going to be deceived because we've got a whole bunch of fake miracle shenanigans going on. That's the first point, right? They couldn't cast them out. Why couldn't they cast them out? They couldn't cast them out because they were jealous envious, and as you say in Jamaica, bad mind towards the three that went up into the mountain. Watch this. In the spiritual realm and in the pretext of spiritual warfare, when you become jealous, envious, and hateful towards someone else, you lose all of your spiritual power. The Holy Spirit cannot abide in a bad mind. Huh. In fact, one of the reasons our churches are not as powerful and as successful as they should be is because oftentimes our churches are places of war rather than places of worship. You see, the church, the church is supposed to function as the barracks for the army of God. You go to the barracks to get chow, to be refreshed, to get fellowship, to be rested, to go back onto the battlefield and to fight. The problem in many of our churches is all the fighting is going on in the barracks. Let me tell you something. When you young people grow up and you are the ones running the churches, remember that if Satan gets a foothold through envy, jealousy, and division, he will shut your church down. I don't think I told this story here yet. E.E. E. Cleveland, when I was at Oakwood, the great preacher, along with two other pastors, confirmed this. One of them was a theology student at the time at Oakwood, that in Nashville, Tennessee, one of the churches had become demon-possessed. Nashville, Tennessee, the church had become demon-possessed. When they left from Oakwood to drive to Nashville, about a two-and-a-half-hour drive, they got to the church in Nashville and began to cast the demons out. E.E. E. Cleveland, in our Dynamics of Christian Living class, told us that when they walked into the church, the pews were floating in the air. He says the building was ice cold. And he said when they, when they got in there and they began to cast the demons out, they said to the demons, how is it that you have taken over a seven-day Adventist church like this? And the demon said, we were able to take this church because they're fighting with one another. And one of the people, they, 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 they tell the story of one of the people who they cast the demon out. And when they cast the demon out, the demon said, they said, what is your name to the demon? And the demon said, my name is Fame. The demon said, I was there when Marilyn Monroe died. One of the pastors said, what do you have to do with us, demon? The demon said, I sing with your choir at Oakwood College. 
And they said, how is that possible? They said, because they sing for glory and attention rather than singing for God. Let me warn you, Satan wants his place back. Anytime any of us steps up on this rostrum here, it is sacred ground because the devil was one of the covering cherub. He led worship in heaven. He is the one who was the choir director. Anytime you step here to teach Sabbath school, preach a sermon, sing a song, lead praise and worship, give a prayer. If your heart is not right with God, the enemy will take control. Hence, when we say, listen, we're going to pray for our neighborhood, we're going to pray for our church building, we're going to pray for the sick person, nothing happens. It is because oftentimes all of our spiritual energy has been burned up fighting each other. Scripture says, I ask your disciples, they should cast them out, and they could not. Watch this. Jesus says in verse 19, he answered him and said, look at what he says, and this isn't just speaking to them, it's speaking to us. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him what? Jesus calls the, who was he calling faithless? One, all the people there, because they were just looking for a show. He called his own disciples, the nine, faithless. He's calling the scribes faithless. He's calling the generation faithless. Let me submit something to you, young people. You now live in a faithless generation. Jesus says, how long shall I suffer with you? Bring him unto me. Verse 20. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? What does the father say? Since he was a child. Jesus is the great physician. And, and many of you have talked to want to go to medical school or, or you're already in, in a nursing program. One of the keys to taking care of a patient is to take a thorough and accurate history. Jesus does not begin to deal with the demon before he finds out how long the child has been dealing with the demon. So he says, how long has it been? He says, since he was a child. The other reason Jesus says this is so that the father realizes his role in this fiasco. Huh? We're going to talk about the, the, the flight of the youth tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Let's go. So when you look at Mark chapter 9, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter uh, 2 and verse 15. This is what the Bible says. This is a lesson for you. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing what? The word of truth. When you study here at NCU, you are not studying to please the president, the dean, your department head, or your professor. You study first and foremost so that God is pleased. When you learn to make the Bible the foundation of your education and your learning, Every other concept becomes more simple. When I, was in, I told you guys, when I was in medical school, before I studied anything, I would read parts of the Bible that were a bit challenging in Revelation or Daniel, and I would try and uh, figure those things out. Why? Because it made some of the science I had to learn even more comprehensible. It made it easier for me to get it. 
But look at what he says. He warns you in verse 16. But shun profane and vain babblings. Why? But they will increase unto more ungodliness. I talked about music earlier in the week, but this is why what you listen to, you have to be careful. Because if you're listening to music that is profane, cussing, swearing, all of this pornographic, lyrical content, profane, and it's vain, I'm the biggest, I'm the baddest, look at me, look at me, that is demonic music. And if you're listening to it, it will lead and increase unto more ungodliness. And as our society has watched the musical, uh, 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 in the music industry in Jamaica as well as abroad, as we've watched the moral condition of the music steadily decline, we have watched the moral condition of society follow right after. Here's what Ellen White says, because this is an issue. For this young boy in the story, as well as for you, there's an issue. The most important issue you face today is character. Ellen White says character building is the most important work ever entrusted to human beings. And never before was its diligent study so important as now. Never was any previous generation called to meet issues so momentous. Never before were young men and young women confronted by perils so great as confront them today. You, NCU, you have been called at the time of the end to hold up a standard and, and strike a blow against the enemy for the kingdom of the living God. You live in the most difficult time. I'm going to show you just another example of how difficult the time is that you live. But here's what Mark chapter 9 and verse 22 says. When the father begins to really explain what this demon is trying to do to his son, he breaks it down in verse 22. He says, and oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to do what? To destroy him. Don't miss this. It is the spirit of self-destruction that the devil wants to place in you. It is the spirit of suicide. Spirit of depression. He wants to put upon you so that you do not value your life. Why does the devil not want you to value your own life? Because God is the one who blessed you with it. Watch this. I'm going to show you that this thing is an international thing. Suicide rate has almost doubled among teenagers as social media giants are told they have a duty to, to, of care to tackle it. In the United States right now, we have an, ep I told you yesterday, we have an epidemic of loneliness. The res research is showing. We now know we also have an epidemic of suicide among young people. This now, I want you to get this because these are children who have the latest video game in their house. They live in nice homes. They can go to a refrigerator that is always fully stocked with food. They have the nicest clothes. They have access to the internet. They get cell phone when they turn 12. The latest cell phone. And yet their mind is so unstable that we are watching them cut themselves and take their own lives. I have one young lady that comes to one of my clinics. And she, doesn't, she hasn't come since the pandemic. So maybe, she, maybe, I don't know, maybe COVID fixed her. I don't know. But she would come and she would cut herself so badly that sometimes we had to send her to the emergency room because she was bleeding so bad we couldn't sew up all of the lacerations. And we would see her every week to two weeks. She'd be back cut up and need sewing up again. Her arm looked like leather from all of the, uh, all of the scar tissue. Watch this. 
I, 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 so I did a little research, and I, I didn't do much because I don't have time, but I, I looked into this a little bit, and this is from the Jamaica Observer. It says, because I have a lot of data on the U.K. and the United States, so I looked at Jamaica. This is what it says. The Jamaica Observer has an article that says, Mental Health Mess. Jamaican children bemoan lack of support for those facing massive challenges. Now, I want to submit that when I read this article, and I don't think I put it in here. I'm going to read more of the article in a second. In the United States and much of the developed world, for every 150 people, there is one psychiatrist. In Jamaica, the article said, for every one person who needs a psychiatrist, there are 1,500 people. Well, for, every, for every psychiatrist, I should say, there are 1,500 people. Ten times worse than the rest of the world. So the first thing I want to say to some of you who are going into the health field, you have a calling to help deal with the mental health crisis. That is not a Jamaican phenomena. This is a phenomena of the fact that we are coming to the end of time. We have trained children to think that what they look like is what's most important. We've trained children to think that what they have is what's most important. And we have removed purpose from the minds of young people. Now watch this. Here's, this is from the article. In Jamaica, anxiety are leading, uh, anxiety, and I'm, I'm assuming they meant anxiety and depression. I just cut and paste it. Anxiety and depression are leading causes of disability among 15 to 19-year-old boys and 10 to 19-year-old girls. Depressive disorders is a leading cause of disability for 15 to 19-year-old boys. Among 15 to 19-year-old boys, the prevalence of heavy, this I thought was interesting, the prevalence of heavy episodic drinking is 19%. That's one, out of, that's one out of every five boys in Jamaica, 15 to 19 years old, while tobacco use was reported among over 15% of 13 to 15-year-old boys and girls. We'll talk more about drugs and addiction tonight. Additionally, 24% of boys and 25% of girls reported being bullied in the past 30 days. Look at how bad it is in the UK. That's just a glimpse of, uh, of Jamaica. This professor, Lewis Appleby, sums it up, I think, for much of the world. Head of the National Suicide Prevention Strategy for the UK says this. Teenage suicide is on the rise. The danger is that we are presiding over a suicidal generation of young people and that young people have learned self-harm as a way of coping. Watch this. In the United States, suicide rates for U.S. teens and young adults are the highest on record. The pandemic actually only made it worse. And across the nation, across America, rising rates of suicide, fatal drug overdoses, and deaths due to alcohol abuse have collectively driven up the average American's probability of dying at any age. Watch this. In recent years, these so-called deaths of despair have also reduced the average life expectancy of Americans. This is bringing the life expectancy down. Look at this. Suicide is now thought to be the second leading cause of death for Americans between 10 and 34 years of age. That is in the wealthiest country in the world with all the trappings of modern society. This affected my family personally, and I'm going to let you in on a story that is difficult for me to share. I had a, a most beautiful little cousin, 13 years old, and she, was, she, liked to, she, she, she liked to dance and smile and play music. You go to the house, my aunt's house, she was the most sweetest kid. She began to be bullied on the internet. She also had some issues inside the family. 
But I got a call that she had gone into the bathroom of my aunt's house and hung herself. Let me tell you something, young people. What made it so frightening is that we are told by the police, and by, actually the police were told by her, some of the family in the house at the time, that someone was on the phone with her, coaching her as to how to do this. I want to submit to you that there are literally people on the internet who are looking for the opportunity to snuff out, to encourage young people to take their own lives. It was one of the most heartbreaking tragedies. I had to deliver the eulogy at her funeral. It was one of the most difficult, heartbreaking things I've ever experienced. And I bring up the story and I share it with you because there are some who are hurting and they need help. And I want to submit to you today, do not keep those things to yourself. The enemy wants you to destroy yourself. Let me tell you something. I used to work, I, I told you yesterday, I worked at the city of Pasadena's health department and we had a, a suicide prevention program because we have a famous bridge in Pasadena, not as famous as the Golden Gate Bridge up in San Francisco, but a famous bridge called, we call Suicide Bridge because people used to come from all over to jump off the bridge into the Arroyo to kill themselves. So I did research to present to city council and what I found, and this is where being a Christian, you get to understand things the world can't understand. When I did the research, there was a study done on 17, so about 17 people who had jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. And every one of them said the same thing. The moment they let go of the bridge and could not stop themselves, immediately as they fell, all desire to kill themselves or harm themselves was gone. What was that that really left them? It was the demon. It was a spiritual battle. It was the fact that the demon said, I've won and moved on. Let me tell you something. This Christianity, and you heard a young lady sing about the blood earlier, and you heard my wife sing about in heaven's eyes. Let me tell you, those two songs come together on this subject because the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for you. It tells you that your value is priceless. The song in heaven's eyes tell you that you have value. I don't care what people on the internet think. I don't care what the people in your neighborhood think. I want you to know that in heaven's eyes, you are without reproach. God has done all to save you. How is the devil going to do this? Well, let's jump to this. Social media, right? This article asks, is social media bad for your health? And the, the article comes out and tells you it actually does. Even teenagers now are worried they spend too much time on their phones. This is a United States article, but maybe it's the same thing here. Because what we have gotten caught up to into and addicted to is all of this stuff. And TikTok and all this stuff, which is dangerous. Dangerous stuff. So dangerous, and I don't have time to get deep into it. So dangerous that the, the Surgeon General of the United States has come out and branded social media a threat to youth mental health. I hope you got that. Look at it. It says, this advisory describes the current evidence on the impacts of social media on the mental health of children and adolescents. It states that we cannot conclude social media is sufficiently safe for children and adolescents and outlines immediate steps we can take to mitigate the risk 
of harm to children and adolescents. That's deep. That's the Surgeon General's office saying it's dangerous. And here it is. Here's some of the advisory. Social media use by young people is nearly universal. Up to 95% of young people aged 13 to 17 report using a social media platform. Nearly two-thirds of teenagers report using social media every day, and one-third report that they basically use social media constantly. The article goes on to say this. The types of use and content children and adolescents are exposed to pose mental health concerns. Children and adolescents who spend, look at this, listen to this, young people. Children and adolescents who spend more than three hours a day on social media face double the risk of mental health problems, including experience, experiencing symptoms of depression and anxiety. This is concerning as a recent survey showed that teenagers spend on average three and a half hours a day on social media. And when asked about the impact of social media on their body image, 46% of adolescents aged 13 to 17 said social media makes them feel worse. Satan is able to manipulate you. When Jesus asked the father how long it had been, he said, of a child. And sometimes he tries to throw him into the fire, sometimes into the water so that he can destroy him. The father comes back at Jesus with this line in Mark 9 and verse 22. He says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. The father had enough faith, don't miss this, to bring the boy from home. He had enough faith to approach the nine disciples when he didn't see Jesus. He had enough faith to wait for Jesus to come back down. Enough faith to step into the circle. But when he gets face to face with Jesus, he says to Jesus, if you can do anything. Now my 11th grade English teacher taught me that if is the biggest word in the English language. Two letters, but it means so much. This man was ifing Jesus. Now watch Jesus' reply. You think Jesus doesn't take to this very easily. Verse 23 says this. Jesus said unto him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. In other words, Jesus said, Who are you ifing? Jesus said, I'm the one who stepped out onto nothing and said, Let there be light. I'm the one who formed Adam from the dust of the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. I'm the one who parted the Red Sea so your ancestors could survive and escape Egyptian slavery. I'm the one who called down fire on Mount Carmel. He says, who are you ifing? Here's a promise, young people. When you're in a bind, claim this promise. Jesus cannot lie. He says, if you can believe... All things are possible to him that believes. Now here's where the story gets good. Mark 9, 24. Straightway the father of the child cried out. He begins to weep. He says with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine what? Mine unbelief. I want you to get this, young people. The problem isn't that the father had doubt. It's where you take the doubt to. It's okay to have doubt. I'm going to liberate somebody today. You don't have to worry that you go to church and you don't understand it all and you have some doubt. I want to submit to you that as long as you take your doubt to Jesus, you're going to be all right. The father said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Now watch this. This is what the spirit of prophecy says on this. 
if you look at um, Desire of Ages. She says, it is faith that connects us with heaven and brings us strength for coping with the powers of darkness. In Christ, God has provided means for subduing every sinful trait and resisting every temptation, however strong. But many feel that they lack faith and therefore they remain away from Christ. Let these souls and their helpless unworthiness cast themselves upon the mercy of their compassionate Savior. Look at this. In other words, don't keep yourself away from God. Say, you know, I'm going to get right first, then I'm going to go to him. That makes no sense. That's like saying, I'm going to wait till I'm clean and then take a shower. Spirit of Prophecy continues and says this. Look not to yourself, but to Christ. He who healed the sick and cast out demons when he walked among men is the same mighty redeemer today. Faith comes by the word of God, then grasp his promise. Him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. John 6, 37. Cast yourself at his feet with a cry. Look at this, young people. Cast your feet at his, uh, yourself at his feet with a cry. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. This next sentence is critical. You can never perish while you do this. Never. Wow. Let me tell you something. The reason a lot of people fail is that they believe the way to be a Christian is to become perfect in their own strength. They look at their own failure, their own faults, their own mistakes. And because you're constantly looking at yourself and your past and where you've been, all the nights you spent in the no-tell motel, you keep looking backwards at what, at what you did. You keep looking down at your weakness and your failures. And the more you look at your past, the more you look at your failures, the more like them you become. Because by beholding, you become changed. The, 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 the way to victory over sin is to turn your eyes to Jesus, to look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. When people come to me and they say, listen, I want to get, get over this, this sin, or I want to get past that. I say, listen, you don't focus on that. I want you to study the book of John, the gospel of John. I want you to read it, and I want you to get to know Christ intimately. As you get to know Jesus, you can't keep in the life of sin. Here's what, she's, here's what Pro, Prophets and Kings, page 175, says this. Nothing is apparently more helpless, yet really more invincible than the soul that feels its nothingness, nothingness and relies wholly on God. You've got to learn to rely wholly on him. Verse 25, the story, going back to the story, it says this. In verse 25, it says, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, look at what he does. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, you dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. Listen, when Jesus fixes you up, he fixes you up right and once and for all. Verse 26 says, and the spirit cried, rent the boy. So anytime somebody takes you towards Jesus for deliverance, the devil in your life is going to act up. And he came out and he said, and, he, and the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead insomuch that many said he is dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. When you come to Christ, something is supposed to die. The old man, the pride, the self, it's supposed to die. Your friend should say, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. And you should be able to say, that's because I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm a brand new man. The one you knew has passed away. The old me is gone more than a conqueror. That's what I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. 
Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him up and he arose. The story ends here. And when he was come into the house, his disciples, the nine disciples now, asked him privately, why couldn't we cast him out? I want you to get this because some of you have some struggles. Let me tell you something. And, and I'm talk, this is for the faculty, the staff, the administration, the pastoral staff of, that, of, of this amazing church. This is what he says, verse 29. And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing, but by what? But by prayer and fasting. Did you get that? There's some stuff you're going through that will not move unless you pray and fast. This is why Jesus asked, how long has this child had it? He knew it was going to take an extra shot of power from the Holy Ghost. Look how, look at, we'll end with this one. Look at this. It says, if you have faith like this, you will lay hold upon God's word and upon all the helpful agencies he has appointed. Thus your faith will do what? Strengthen and will bring to your aid the power of heaven. The obstacles that are piled by Satan across your path, though apparently as insurmountable as the eternal hills, shall disappear before the demand of faith. Watch this, young people. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. Nothing. Young people, and some of you, let me tell you something. Some of you, this experience of this young boy is one that may resonate. You're going through challenges and difficulties. You may have problems back at home. You may have experienced great trauma in your life. I came all the way from Connecticut in the United States to tell you that you have not been forgotten. That the spirit of the living God sees you. That the comforter is here for you. And that Christ has you in his hand. But I want to submit to you today that if there is something you need to give up. If you, if you want a closer walk with Christ, I want to ask you while my wife is singing and the, and the cards are here, I want to ask you to just come meet me down front. I want to do a special prayer for those who especially want to give their life to Christ, rededicate their life to Christ. I want you to just join me down front. Pray for those that are standing right now. Me so. The Bible teaches us this, that it is the love of Christ that constraineth us. It is Christ's love that actually gives us victory. Father God, tonight, I want to pray over those who have stood. They stand, Lord, because they want victory over sin. Father God, the world teaches that you are born a certain way and you can't change. I'm so glad that you didn't ask me about how I was born the first time. You said I can be born again. Father God, we want to be born again, born of the water and of the spirit. Lord, give us victory over sin. High time that we set aside the sin that so, so easily besets us, that we walk in newness of life. Lord, I pray this prayer not only over those that are here standing, but Lord, Lord, those who are listening on the radio or online. Father God, some of them think that they are lost cause, that they've done too much, too much sin for you to ever forgive them. Lord, remind them that they have not outsinned your ability to save them. Help us, Lord, to lean into your love. 
Lord, you want us to be saved. It's our prayer in Jesus' precious and holy name. Let the church say amen and amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.